good morning. Let me ask you to first start with your bulletin in your hand. Would you please grab that? And I want you to look at the tear-off inside and look at the back side of that tear-off. It says global impact. So we worked through the biblical text this morning. We're going to land here and ask you to consider what God wants you to do as part of this church called to reach the nations. Do you want to learn more about missions? There are options for that. Do you want to go? We want you to go. We encourage you to go. Do you want to send? And I want you to look just beneath the words, I want to send. There's a box there that says, I want to pray for our global partners. Please add me to the prayer list. I want you to see that because that's our focus today, praying for missionaries. And then you see, I want to serve our partners. And you can look at the the needs, the ways that you can serve. I want to challenge all of us to today make some decision to get further invested in the work of reaching 4 billion plus people in the world who have little or no exposure to the gospel. So keep that handy. We'll come back to that at the end of the message. I want you to get your Bibles and turn with me first to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to ask you to find your place there and mark that. We're also going to look together at Colossians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 6 and Colossians chapter 4. As we think about touching the world from our knees, if you'll just mark those places, we'll look at Ephesians 6 beginning in verse 18 and we'll look at Colossians 4 beginning in verse 2. Here's what I want you to think about as we, as we come together this morning. So many people come to mind for me as we think about making an impact on the globe. I think about, and I'm going to use just initials for these folks because of where they serve and what they're doing for security reasons. I think about A. A serves in North Africa, the Middle East. She serves in a place where the soil is so hard that what she speaks of is they are still just turning over rocks. They're not even at the place where they feel like they can plant seeds of the gospel. And I wonder who's praying for her. And then I think of L. L is serving in a war-torn part of Africa where people are every day fighting for their own safety. And he is there. He is, his family is there to reach those people and who are praying for them. Then I think about M. M is serving in a more reached area. He's doing theological education, standing up, holding tightly to biblical moorings in a place where the sea of liberalism is rising and Who's praying for him? I think about Jay. Jay is serving in one of the largest countries in the world where every religion except the predominant one is under persecution. Who's praying for him, his family? And then I think about Steve's in a, in a tough soil where his family uh, have been nothing but sick their entire first year, and already they're questioning their call. Is this... Is this what God has called us to do? And who's praying for them? Well, I asked the question, who's praying for them, for two reasons. First of all, I asked that question because I think for many of us, 
we talk about praying more than we do praying. And then there's a second reason why I want us to think about that, and that is that I, I read continually in the biblical text of Paul, the missionary, calling people to pray for him. Let me just walk you through some text here. Romans 15, 30, I appeal to you, brothers, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. 2 Corinthians 1, 11, you must also help us in prayer. Philippians 1.19, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that this will turn out for my deliverance. 1 Thessalonians 5.25, it's really simple. Brothers, pray for us. 2 Thessalonians 3.1, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as it was among you. So continually we hear the missionaries saying, I need your prayers. We're going to see that again in our primary text today. So look with me at Ephesians 6. Let's start there. Then I want to go to Colossians 4. What I want you to listen for as you hear Paul's words, I want you to listen for urgency. I want you to hear his request for himself. And I want you to think about how you might pray for missionaries. So I pick up in verse 18 of Ephesians 6. Here's what Paul writes. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. Remember those words. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Listen to that. All, all, all. Pray for all the saints. And then in verse 19, Paul says, And also for me, also pray for me, he says, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. He says, you pray for me that I'll speak the gospel boldly. Now, go with me to Colossians 4. Just a couple books back. Beginning in verse 2. Again, listen for what Paul says about prayer. Listen for alertness. Listen for watchfulness. Look at the request. Verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, so he brings it home, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear just how I ought to speak. So as you pray for me, that God will open up a door and I'll speak the gospel clearly. Two letters, two books of the Bible that Paul writes to believers in cities that are dominated by demonic powers. They're always wrestling against the power of the enemy. And so Paul writes to them to encourage them, to call them to, to press on in their faithfulness, to pursue righteousness, to put off the old man and, and live out the new man and put on the full armor of God and he wants them to live out their faith daily, that in their households and in their workplace, in their personal lives, the glory of Christ is evident, that everything they do points to the fact that he reigns supreme. And in both books, he ends the book with a call to prayer. First of all, a call to general prayer, that we're all to pray. And then he narrows the focus to say, as you're praying, make sure you pray for me. 
We just read those texts, and so what I want to do is pull those apart. You'll see on the back of your bulletin a place to take notes. I want to walk through these texts. Here's number one. Hear the urgency in these requests. Hear the urgency in these requests. And these books, Ephesians, Colossians, they're fascinating. They actually begin and end with a call to pray with a focus on prayer. Prayer bookends both of the books. For example, in particular, Paul begins each letter with a recognition that he commits to praying for the churches, to praying for the believers, and then they end with Paul's request for them to pray for him. So he starts by saying, I, the missionary, I'm praying for you. And he ends by saying, you all, I need you praying for me. So in Ephesians 1, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. And I pray that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and knowledge and that your hearts would be enlightened. And so he covers them in prayer. In Colossians 1, he says, we always thank God for you, that you will be filled with wisdom and understanding and you'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord and you'll be strengthened with his power. And so the partnership that Paul has with these believers is such that he intercedes for them and he wants them to intercede for him. Let me just say this to you. You want somebody to pray for you? Get a missionary to pray for you. Because they get it. They understand the need for God to step into the story. They know that we all need the strength and the power of God. And because they're committed to praying their work through as they go to the world, when they pray, they really pray. So think about this. As we think about praying for the missionaries, the missionaries that are here this weekend, ask them to pray for you. Let them intercede for you. Paul says, I'm praying for you. And then he will say, you pray for me. And then listen to the sense of urgency. Go back again to Ephesians 6. Just look at the text. Listen to the word all here. The A-L-L. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, he says. Preceding that in verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Making supplication for all the saints. Praying at all times, all prayer, all supplication, always alert, making supplication for all the believers. Here's what Paul knows. He knows that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we are wrestling against principalities and powers. And there are demons who want to drag us back into living out our old self, being like the way we used to be. There are demonic forces who want to divide what God has united, and we are all in this battle, and the enemy does not give up easily. And so Paul says with great passion, you pray, and you pray for all the saints, and you pray with steadfastness, and you pray like it really matters. There's urgency written all over that. And then look at Colossians 4 again. Colossians 4, verse 2, the word begins with this, continue steadfastly in prayer. The English there really doesn't capture the, the sense of urgency. This, this, this really means devote yourselves to praying. It means to persist in prayer. It means to keep on pressing on in praying. It means don't stop praying. 
Because Paul knows that, again, there are false teachings that are worming their way into the church in Colossae, and, and the enemy seeks to drag the church in the wrong direction, and believers need encouragement. And so Paul says, look, I need you to devote yourselves to praying and just keep on praying. There's, there's a lifeline sense of urgency in these texts that Paul understands that we must depend upon God and we must long for his guidance. And without it, there can be no victory. And so he starts by saying generally to all of us, pray, 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 and keep on praying. Perhaps this morning... We don't pray for missionaries like we should because we don't pray in general like we should. Perhaps that's our first problem. Or at least we don't pray with the sense of urgency and persistence that these texts require. So I want you to start hearing this. Hear the urgency of the request of the missionary. It's out of the DNA. It's out of a DNA, a heart of prayer that our prayer for missionaries springs. And so may God give us the heart to pray. Here's number two. Second point. Hear the call to be alert as we pray. Hear the call to be alert as we pray. Again, I want you to see it in the text. Go back to chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 18 again. You're going to hear this text multiple times today. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And then Colossians 4, we read something similar where Paul says in verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it. So let's think about what Paul says here. He says to the Ephesians, you need to keep alert. In essence, he says, I need you to keep awake in this task. As opposed to the disciples. You remember the disciples that Jesus took to the Mount of Olives? And he said, you go over there and you pray that you enter not into temptation. And what did they do? Instead of praying, they slept. Paul says, uh-uh, I need you. I need you to keep alert. This is, this is no listless, unfocused, perfunctory, check-the-box praying. That's not what Paul's looking for. It's praying in the power of the Spirit. It's diligent prayer, ever aware of the enemy's arrows, but not being stifled by them. And then Paul says to the Colossians, you need to be watchful. You need to pay attention. The, the word has a sense of be on guard for, have mental awareness of, and Paul wants them to know, as you await the coming of the Lord, as you look forward to the coming of Christ, there's urgency behind that. Be alert to his coming. Be alert to what's happening around you. See where the enemy's winning. See what God's doing. See what we're doing. Be, be, have knowledge. Pay attention to what's going on, he says. Be ever alert with an attitude of expectancy and thanksgiving and he wants them to pray with intentionality. He wants them to pray with purpose. He wants them to pray with knowledge. And as we think about praying for missionaries, one of the best ways we can do that is learn what's going on in their ministries. 
We can get on their prayer list and get their prayer letters, letters and, and we can hear what's happening and hear their needs and see where God is glorifying Himself. And as we read and we learn, it drives us to our knees and we pray with alertness. And when we read that they're struggling or they can't get a visa or somewhere they've been barred from a place, as we've heard, we can pray with knowledge Hear this call to be alert. Paul wants them to be aware of what's going on around them as they pray. And then watch what he does. Even as he calls them to pray with intentionality, he narrows the focus. He says, I want you to pray and pray and pray and pray. And then he says, I want you to pray for me and my team. Look again at Ephesians 6. Let's just see it again. Ephesians 6, verse 19. He's already said, pray with all perseverance. And now he says, and pray also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Colossians 4, hear it again. Paul broadens it here to say, you pray for our team. Verse 3, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on which account I am in prison. Here's what he says. He brings them back to, as you pray, and you pray with intentionality, we need you to pray for us. Paul knows he's in a war. Paul knows he's in a battle. He knows that the enemy is coming after them, and he needs to know that the people of God are covering them in prayer. And watch how he does this. Watch how he positions this. In Ephesians 6, here's what he says. He says to the believers, you all must put on the full armor of God. You must wear the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. You must have the shoes of the, the gospel of peace. You must carry the shield of faith. You must wear the helmet of salvation. You must take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. He tells them this. You need to be doing all of this. And then I need you praying for me. I think he, he ties them together intentionally. Because here's what he says. I need you walking with the Lord in truth and righteousness and sharing the gospel and trusting God's promises and living out your salvation and living and loving and speaking the word. I need you all being obedient and then I need you praying for me. Why does, he, why does he put it that way? Well, think about this. This missionary church planter is under arrest for speaking the gospel. He finds himself in prison. And he needs the prayer of God's people. But he wants to know that those who are praying for him can touch heaven. He's not interested in folks praying who aren't walking with God. He's not interested in folks who are just praying because they're supposed to, but they really don't have a relationship with God. No, Paul knows he needs people who are praying and God's listening. And so he says, you put on the armor of God and you walk like you should and you pray for us. This we need to hear this morning as we call each other to pray for missionaries. Inherent is in that call is a call to be alert to our own sin issues. Because you see, when we pray, our hearts need to be clear. Our hearts need to be clean. Isaiah 59 is very clear that it's not 
that God's hand is so short that he cannot save. It's not that his ear is so dull that he cannot hear. But rather it is your iniquities that separate you from the Father so that he does not listen. You and I need to hear this morning in this call to prayer that ungodly prayer from ungodly disciplined lips doesn't go very far. So hear this call to be alert, even to be alert to your own sin, that God might call you to repentance and confession, that when you pray, you pray with power. So hear the urgency. Hear this call to be alert. And then here's number three. Hear the request of the missionary. Hear the request of the missionary. He brings this home for himself. Look again at chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 19. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Twice he says, pray for me that I'll speak boldly. Colossians 4, he adds to that. Look at verse 3 again. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. There he says, pray for me that I'll speak clearly and God will open a door. Well, let's listen to his heart here. Paul is under divine compulsion to speak the gospel, called by God, supernaturally so, in Acts 9 driven to his face by a bright light and called to be one to proclaim the word among Gentiles and kings and the, and the children of Israel. And so he wants to speak for this king with boldness to make known the mystery now revealed in Christ that the gospel is for everybody, not just Jew, but Jew and Gentile. And he wants to know that the words he speaks are God's words and he needs the prayers of God's people. Why, why so? It's really simple. It's because he's in a war. Let me quickly describe for you the condition of the people that Paul was called to reach and the people that you and I are called to reach. Ephesians 2 tells us that they follow the prince of the power of the air. They're on the enemy's side. Colossians 1 tells us that they live in the domain of darkness. 2 Corinthians 4 tells us that they are blinded by the God of this age. Acts 26 tells us that they live in darkness under the power of Satan. And all of these references show us that the enemy has in his claws the lost people that you and I are called to reach. And Paul knows he's in a battle to reach them. If he goes into the darkness to share the gospel with them, he steps into the enemy's territory. And that can be frightening. And so he says, I need you praying for me. You know what? It's striking to me. That Paul says, pray for me that I will speak boldly. And here's why. Because I don't see any place in the Bible where he doesn't speak boldly. So it seems to me that if the Apostle Paul needed the prayers of God's people to speak boldly, you and I probably do too. True? We also need others praying for us. Our missionaries need us praying for them, that we might speak the gospel boldly. That's Paul's first request. And then in Colossians 4, he says, I'm praying for God to open up a door. Praying for God to open up a door. It's not the first time that, that he uses these words. In Acts 14, we read Paul and Barnabas talking about God's opening up a door for the Gentiles. 1 Corinthians 16, Paul says a wide door for effective ministry has been 
open to me. 2 Corinthians 2.12, Paul writes, a door was open to me in the Lord. And now he says, you pray for me that God will open up a door. Some have argued that maybe what he means is he's in prison. He wants God to open the prison door so that he can go out and speak the gospel. I seriously doubt that's the case because closed prison doors never kept Paul from preaching in the first place. That's not what he says. His, his cry for an open door is this. I cry out, God, that you will give me opportunity and you will open hearts. That, God, you will use me to speak the gospel, even in the very prison where he finds himself. And so, in, in Ephesians 6, Paul says, God, I'm asking you to open my mouth. In Colossians 4, he says, God, I'm asking you to open their hearts. And it's God who does both. You know how he does that? He does that on the wings of our praying. Then in Colossians 4, Paul says, I want you to pray for me that I will speak the gospel clearly. That I'll speak it clearly. That is more literally that I will make manifest the good news. That I will make known the gospel to people who have never heard. And so he shows us the heart of the missionary. Paul's heart for his people is that God would save them. Paul's heart is so committed to them that in Romans 9 he says, if it were possible, I would be accursed. I would go to hell on their behalf that they might be saved. And that's the, the brokenness of the missionary who longs to reach the nations. And when you're that broken over lostness, you keep witnessing even in prison. And you desperately want God to open up a door. You deeply want to speak the gospel boldly and clearly. So you want the prayers of God's people. You want the prayers of God's people. So what do we do with this? I want to challenge you to begin praying for missionaries by name. Not just generic, Lord, I pray for all the missionaries. There's no burden behind that kind of praying. But when you know names and places and you know families and you know needs, you'll pray differently. Pray at a minimum how Paul asked others to pray for him. That our missionaries will speak the gospel boldly and God will open up doors and they will speak the gospel clearly. Pray as a family. Raise your children up to pray for missionaries. And then find some missionaries and ask them to pray for you. Be partners in this task that you are interceding for each other. And let's see what God does with that. I, I close with this illustration. When I, when I was serving at Southern Seminary in Kentucky, I also taught at one of our local prisons. And in, in that prison, I met a friend who'd been in our prison system for decades. His name was Tattoo Mike. So you can imagine what Tattoo Mike looked like. He was tattooed everywhere. But he'd become a believer in the prison yard. And, and he just spoke the gospel to person after person after person. And I'd walk into the yard and he'd bring up a new disciple. Let me tell you what God did in his life and what God did in his life. And Mike became my friend. Well, I was preaching one day in, in a new chapel that the prisoners had helped build. And there were prisoners behind me in the choir loft and prisoners in front of me. And I was talking about the first time I ever came into those prison walls that I was afraid. 
you hear the door clank shut behind you, and it's just you and the prisoners and guards somewhere. I was afraid, and when I said that, out of nowhere I heard this gruff voice from behind me say, We got your back, Doc. I, I stopped. I turned around and looked, and there's Tattoo Mike. He stood up in the choir loft, and he pointed at me and said, We got your back. Now, to be honest, I wasn't really sure what he meant by that at the time, but, but, but here's what I learned. Here's what I learned. These, these guys loved me. And if anybody dared come after me on that yard, they were taking them out because they had my back. Here's my question. Even as you are such an incredibly generous church to support global missions, and I thank God for you and all that you're doing and all you're doing this weekend. But beyond this weekend, as we send out missionaries serving all over the world, who's got their back? And who has your back? So I take you back to that tear-off in the bulletin. I want you to take a minute and look at that. Are you willing to say, I want to learn. I want to take this online missions course. I want to go. I want to go walk with missionaries and help them. I want to send. Particularly note, I want to pray for global partners and then serving our partners. Look at your skills and your gifts and your talents and ask, how can God use you? We want you to fill that out this morning and then give it to one of the ushers as you go out the door and let this be the first step in a new day for you as you walk with and support our missionaries. All right, let me pray for you. Father in heaven, thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for those who have prayed for us over the years. Those that prayed us into your kingdom and have prayed for us when we make hard decisions and who pray for us when we face health issues. And Lord, I pray that we would pray for missionaries, not waiting until we hear that there's a problem, but we pray for them just because we send them. And may you burden our hearts to pray, not just this day, but make that become DNA for us, Father, in our lives and the life of our family and continually so in the life of this church. For all of us, God, make us bold in speaking the gospel. Give us clarity. Open doors that we can speak truth to others. And then, God, give us prayer partners who intercede for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.